0: Welcome to the Wanting to Wealthy podcast, where we approach financial education in unconventional ways. My name is Ashley Hogan, and if you are looking for a different path to reach your financial goals, you are in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you for joining me for another interview style of the Wanting to Wealthy podcast. In this episode, we get to uh, meet. Shannon Lauks Shannon created a book called Love More 50 Plus Ways to Build Joy into Childhood that I just really, really enjoyed, and I felt that you would get a lot of value out of learning more about Shannon. Shannon considers herself a fierce defender of childhoods, Ever since her first job, she has sought out opportunities to be in the presence of children as they explore the world around them, from babysitting, to camp counselor, to a degree in education, to finally landing as a full-time witness of fun to two boys who have become her greatest teachers. Each of these opportunities led Shannon to believe in the power of play and partnership as a way to bring about more joy with a byproduct of love into the lives of those who hold the biggest space in our hearts. So thank you for for being on our podcast. Um, I was really inspired to talk to you after reading your book because um you know when i was growing up everybody says oh well kids are expensive and and so i waited a, a long time i was in my 30s when i had my son because i was afraid of not being able to afford a kiddo one and two um i was still working in a corporate job and i didn't want somebody else raising my kiddo and i didn't want to be paying to have somebody else raise my kiddo and so getting to read your book love more was really inspirational that it's really not about the dollars you spend on your kiddo it's about the time you get to spend so I'd love to chat more about that today
1: totally it's about the time and about the relationship absolutely that is so true Nice.
0: Um, will you just give us a brief overview of yourself and, and maybe your parenting style? All right. Well,
1: I'm Shannon, as you introduced. Um, I am originally from Vancouver Island, British Columbia, a transplant for 10 years to the Bay Area in California, and now one step closer by uh, moving to Yahoos, Oregon. Um, and my training pre-motherhood was I had my degree in education as well as my early childhood certificate and I've worked with kids since I was 13 years old. Um, I love them. I think they're magical and I think their way in the world is so much fun when you can sink into it and just watch them discover the wonder I was disappointed to learn that that's not what schools were about when i launched into my world and similar to what um, your experience about not wanting your kids to be cared for by someone else and the cost that was involved in that for me it never made sense for me to pay somebody else to take care of my kids while i was hanging out with other people's kids and so we made the decision from the very beginning to live on one income. And part of that also was um, a shift in parenting thinking for me. Again, I think the roots of it were from what I was learning about the education system and discovering that play is where it's really at for kids. And then I met my own kids, my firstborn, and he didn't fit the molds of what I've been seeing in the world, which was like I watched the baby it was called a baby story on TLC or something similar to that. And I was all ready to like put him in his crib and watch him go to sleep and then walk away to my own bed. And he was like, having none of that, like he slept in our bed. He came to teach me what he needed. And so that is where my parenting started to, unfurl and become more of this attachment style parenting, which led us to living a life without school, which has led to, um, I guess, a philosophy that would be relationship first over anything else. And so when when I make decisions, whether they're around financial decisions, work decisions, all of those sorts of things, the thing that comes first is how is this gonna impact the relationships we have in our family?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great way to look at it. The, the relationships are, are so much more important. You mentioned, um, you mentioned that you had made the intention or made the decision to live off of one income. Um, did that impact how you thought you may parent?
1: Well, it definitely meant being more creative because one, we weren't going to have the resources to pay anybody to hang out with our kids at that time. My husband was working for a startup company. He was making a startup like, you'll get paid when we go big salary. Um, So it definitely was like, how do we work with what we have to make their, you know, to make their worlds more engaging and more interesting. And you really quickly, or I found that I learned really quickly that it wasn't about what we, had in terms of material things. It's what we could create in terms of experiences. And as you probably know with your own little one, they don't need. they're just as excited with the box that the toy came in as they are with the toy. So when you set up their, their worlds to be exciting and interesting by turning a box into more than just a box or hiding a toy inside a box for them to open over and over and over again, when they're really young, you start to see that they're not looking at the dollar signs that you're spending on them either. They're looking at the joy that you're bringing and the love and the intention behind them.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that it, it's not about money because we've kind of been indoctrinated by the time we become adults that, well, you have to spend all these dollars. And it's like, no, a box is exciting because a box
1: is the coolest thing that they've really seen in their whole little lives. Right, exactly. And I think um, we're trained to think that, it, that um, the thing they need exists outside of us. Right. So we're taught that the answers are out there. Right. I mean, that's capitalism for you. <laughs> yes. But, and so we are, we often think that we've got to pay somebody to care for our kids or pay someone to um, teach us how to get them to sleep or all, you know, like all of these different things. And we forget to just tap into our own intuition about this human that we've created, and invited into the world, who is their own little being. And the space that we need to navigate is what exists between us and them. And let the rest of the world just sort of fall away behind you.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I like that you said that they're, they're their own individual person. You've got two kiddos. So so each experience with them, I assume, is, is unique to them and to your relationship with each individual.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the funny part when people would say to me, oh, you have two boys. Did you not want to try for the girl? And I was like, I have two completely different humans right and that it doesn't mean because I they because they both arrived and you know identify as male that they are the same they are so different (laughs) like I can't you know I think it would be easier for me to name their differences than their similarity is really um but yeah they are two very different humans and two they both came with uh different lessons to teach me as well
0: yeah absolutely so you you've got this experience, at what point did you decide, I'm going to write a book and tell other people about it?
1: Well, there's a say, so I've been a writer since I was nine. The first time I put pen to paper, I was nine years old. And the way that I came to unpack my own parenting challenges was through a blog. And so it would just write to myself basically. And I put it on the internet and I was like, if somebody else comes across this and it helps them, awesome. But I really just need it to unpack my own um, issues as they came up and stay committed to my own intention as a parent. And then I was like, okay, well, what if I turn this into a book? What would that look like? And um, I wanted it to be a book that was accessible to parents so that they could, I mean, we're busy, parents are busy, that they could pick it up and make it easy to um, implement or to follow. I didn't want to tell people how to parent. I just wanted to tell them that they could love bigger and they could love more with what was available already around them. And so the idea came to just make a list of things to do. And so once I was able to narrow it down to that, it became easier to write because I didn't have to write 200 pages on parenting. I just had to write little snippets of how to build love. And so it was just a culmination of a passion for writing. And then um, a writing mentor in my life at the time said to me, write the book you wish you had. And I wish I'd had that book when I was first starting out so that I wasn't so overwhelmed as a new mom at how do I do this? And so that was how it came to live in the world.
0: Absolutely. And when I read your book, and I know you mean for someone to just pick it up and and just open a page and do that thing um when i read your book i read it cover to cover cuz i'm like ooh that that's a good idea and that's a good idea and that's a good <laughs> idea what i noticed is that i i can recall one one item where you had said hey have bubbles in your purse so you had to buy a physical item right. was it intentional that you most of your ideas don't cost extra money or did it just kind of happen
1: i think it kind it, it what was intentional was to make it accessible to everyone. And so that they understood that they already had the tools they needed to be the parent that was loving more the kids in their life. Hmm. And because most of the ideas had come from my own parenting journey, and especially those early years when we were just living, sometimes not all the way paycheck to paycheck. (laughs) So I think that It was not my intention in the beginning, but I can see why it came out that way was from that point of wanting it to be something that you didn't have to do any effort like to just show people you already have the tools, you need to do this, and so I think that that helped. And also that my boys, when they were younger, we were just figuring it out as we went and we didn't have the resources to go out and buy them the next new thing that was coming along like it was often a wait and see. Um, And so I think that when you pointed that out in your questions, I was like, awesome. (laughs) I think that's so great Um, that it that it came across that way.
0: It did, especially for me where, where I've been a minimalist for about going on five years now. And, and I did uh, an episode in my podcast about having a kiddo without it being really expensive. Like, what are the things you actually need? Because consumerism tells us you need to have all of this stuff or, and somehow your child's going to suffer. And that was the first thing that popped out to me was that, the theory and I've said it in my podcast before the your presence is present enough like that that just being part of your child's world uh in in whatever way uh you can doesn't mean that you have to spend a ton of money
1: not
0: at all to to and and Um, correct me if you think differently, I don't think that the children are necessarily deprived of anything by not having the latest and greatest um, toy.
1: No, not at all. And I think what one of the things that I notice in my kids who are 18 and 16 now, is that when they wanted to make or build something so often, because we were also a one car family for I mean, until we moved to the Bay Area and we couldn't survive with one car. And so we didn't have the ability, even if we'd had the finances to go out and get the resources Mm -hmm. right away. But they would be like, mom, we wanna make this thing. And I'd be like, okay, what do we have around the house that can help us make that thing? we don't have, um, you know, white, or we don't have blue paper, what could we use instead? And so we spent a lot of time trying to think outside of the box and trying to find ways to make what they wanted to make with what we had. And so I see them now that their go, their first go-to isn't, can we go buy? It's, do we have? Can we use what we have? And so I do think that, um, that it is almost a gift we give our kids to be able to uh, work with what is available instead of thinking they have to go somewhere else and get the perfect materials.
0: Mm-hmm. And and that it creates um, a, a kind of resourcefulness and problem solving within the child.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And creativity, yeah. like the things that they come up with too. It's always so amazing to me. I often say kids have more solutions than I ever do. So often I would go to them and be like, what do you guys think we could do instead of this? Because I don't have you know, what we need to, to do this recipe or this potion and that my youngest, I love when he was really, really little, he would always bake a cake. And in his brain, you just take what's available and you mix it all together. And then you bake it in the right sized pan and you put it in the oven. And that's how you bake a cake. And I mean, not you don't want to eat a baking soda, cornstarch, water, cake, but he learned that by playing with baking soda and cornstarch and putting it in the oven and being like this tastes disgusting instead of me on the other side being you need a recipe and you need this and you need that it was like through that trial and error and experimentation and he now loves he still loves to bake and now he knows how to follow a recipe but i think that we Um, We push their creativity when we let them explore with what's in their environment, instead of always putting so much stuff in their environment that they can't even think creatively.
0: Yeah, decision fatigue is real. I've noticed that with my kiddo, where if he has like too many trucks or whatever in front of him, he just he can't make a decision on what he wants to do at all. Um, so, you know, less, less is more a lot of times. yeah,
1: exactly. And it's, I mean, it's just fun to watch their creativity. Um, even when I was teaching, I remember this moment going as a substitute teacher to a kindergarten class and their art project was they just laid materials out on the table. There was toilet paper rolls, you know, um, aluminum foil, things you would just find around the house. And it was open-ended create, creative time. And they would take whatever they want and put it together. And the stories and the pro- and the, the things that they built out of that were beyond any craft project that I could have come up. And they still learned cutting and pasting and all of those skills that you do not, that you I guess if your intention is for them to learn something specific, it can still be learned by using what is in their um, environment. It doesn't have to be the glitter and the googly eyes, and that you know the skill sets are still there. The cutting, the the gluing, the problem solving, the creativity is all there, even if you don't have all the fancy things.
0: Absolutely. And I and I think that we need it almost more now being in the the covid world that we're in yeah. where money is a lot tighter for a lot of people. We're stuck inside. Um, most of Oregon is still completely shut down. Yeah. And how do we not just placate them with another toy that's going to be exciting for five seconds? And then what's the next thing? What's the next exactly. thing? Exactly. Yeah. Um. So looking at the money side, just a little more um, how, what is your money story and how do you think that's shaped your children?
1: That is a great question. So I um, grew up in a working class family. We did not have enough. Um, I'll, uh, my, my dad passed away unexpectedly at 62 and left my mom with a mountain of debt. So that's what I come from. And so scarcity is what I know. And uh, scarcity was what was present until we made our move to the Bay Area. And my husband um, my husband came from a more secure background, for sure. He had more resources available to him as a young person. And he definitely spends with, <laughs> with um, wild abandon sometimes in a way that I just, I don't. Um, and I don't, I don't think I ever will because like you, I lean more towards a minimalist style than, than he does. And so watching our kids have these two different backgrounds to play with. Um, I can see that they have, they have a balanced, I would say approach to money. They are not let's go buy the next big thing. Let's go spend the next big thing. They are, hey, I need this. This is the amount of money it's gonna cost. Is this a reasonable investment? So I definitely see that they've taken some of my more, um, you know, secondhand, like if I can buy it used, I'll buy it used and dad's shiny new thing and found this like middle line Mm -hmm. um, to walk. Yeah, so it's, it's fascinating to me to see because I do think our money stories shape us because I'm still over here like almost waiting for something to happen for us to suddenly not have what we to have financial resources, mm-hmm. whereas my husband has always had them. And so he's, oh, he's always trusting they're going to be there. So it's an interesting interesting balance
0: Mm -hmm. and you said that your kiddos didn't go to public school so was there I already know in Oregon and in many places across the country public schools are not teaching financial education of any sort was there an intentional money talk in your family or not
1: definitely they have been involved in uh so we just bought a house they were Mm -hmm. involved in what does it look like to buy a house what is a mortgage what are what are all the you know, steps that we go through. And when they were, I'm gonna say four years old, we started giving them an allowance and the allowance they got was um, increased each year. And why was their allowance increased each year? Well, because when you work at a job, you get a raise each year based on performance. And so we've had that conversation a lot of the time. And then also, you know, there was, always the opportunity for I want this $60 new video game. Okay, how many allowances is it's going to take? Okay, so if it takes me that many allowances, then how many weeks is that going to take? So it's always been an ongoing conversation about that. And is it worth it? Is it worth it to wait? Because for them, when they were really young and getting into video games, that was a long haul, right? If you're getting $5 a week, because we base their allowance on their age. If you're getting $5 a week and you want a $60 video game. So then the next conversation became, mom, how can I earn more money? And so then it was like, okay, well, we have returnables. Do you, you know, how much money do you get? So it's always been a conversation in our family. And then when my husband was able to start investing, the boys know what stocks he's invested in. And they know they've been watching you know, like it fluctuate for, so definitely it's an ongoing conversation and an understanding for them, um, of where our money comes from, where it goes to, how much our rent is, all of that sort of stuff, or now how much is our mortgage? Um, and so we've always involved them in those decisions.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. They, they, you said 16 and 18 so yeah. is your 18 year old uh, at home or is he started out on a on his own path
1: he is at home and he just started college at mm-hmm. lbcc okay. and um i think I, I always get the letters wrong anyways the lynn benton community college correct um and so now he's looking at um what does college cost and to him financially it does not make sense while he is going to college and establishing himself to take on any more financial constraints so he is making the choice to be here with us Mm -hmm. because his rent is covered and his food is cut you know those (laughs) things are covered and he's in a relationship and his girlfriend and is also staying at home for the you know like for similar reasons so they have you know they are having those kinds of conversations and making choices not, and I think, I mean, I think it is helpful that he has a similar freedom that he would have if he lived on his own, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't, and so he doesn't, and he doesn't have the constraints Mm -hmm. of having to figure out college and a job and all of these adult responsibilities, Mm -hmm. which he is able to recognize is probably not ready for. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, and being at LBCC, that means, um, it would be a different scenario if, if we were meeting in person.
1: Yes. Yeah. It would be a long, well, and we've had that conversation because he's like, okay, what happens when school goes back to in person? And I'm like, I don't know. What happens? Like, you know, his girlfriend does live closer. So there is an option to, to figure that out. And I was like, and sweetheart, there are places that offer courses online all the time. Like there isn't Mm -hmm. just one
0: path.
1: Mm -hmm. And so I do think that, um, he will take into consideration those costs. And I know he doesn't, he would like to, if at all possible, avoid carrying debt into his yeah. young adulthood if he doesn't have to. Absolutely. Which personally, I wish somebody had had those conversations with me because I would have made different decisions because I was like, I just want to get out of this house and I want to go down to that beautiful university that costs way more than the, than the local college, which became a university that I was going to, I would have got the same degree, mm-hmm. but I would not have left with the big old student loan that I did.
0: I'm exactly in the same position. I'm yeah. exactly in the same position. If I had had that conversation prior to definitely would have had far less student loan debt
1: exactly. in, <laughs> in the long exactly. run. And My parents, you know, because they were fresh and understanding, they were like, go for it, like take out the max student loan that you can and all of this stuff because they, again, didn't have this financial um, understanding that then I was going to be saddled with this enormous payment. Mm -hmm. I mean, it felt enormous at the time and not be making enough money to cover that enormous payment. Well, when right? you're just
0: getting out of college, it's an enormous payment, no yeah. matter what. Whatever,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. However you look at it, yeah. Yeah,
0: in in how you've raised your kiddos and and kind of your money story and and how you've moved through your life, have you received any negative feedback from other people? And if so, how did you deal with it?
1: I mean, we—it's interesting. We get lots of negative feedback in terms of. Um, not so much with the money. Um, I would say it's more with um, people thinking that we're robbing our kids of opportunities. And I'll, what we try to explain to people is that we're actually living in the world with our kids, and we have been since day one. My kids come to the grocery store with me, they know how much groceries cost. My kids come, they know how if bananas cost this much that you have to weigh the bananas to find out how they cost. My kids came to look at the houses with us. They were in on mortgage calls. So we, I think that people are confused when they think that the school system is setting their kids up to live in the world. The school system provides different opportunities for, the, for their, their kids. And our goal was always to um, so keep the passion for learning alive for our kids and live in the world with them. And I think that they actually have learned more about how money works and seen you know like again they know the different paths that um my parents took and my husband's parents took and what the um you know what an inheritance looks like or doesn't look like and those sorts of things because they were present with us all the time and they were going through life so we have my, I mean, in terms of dealing with the negativity, I've just had to have thick skin <laughs> and let my kids speak for themselves. So instead of defending our choices, I've just let them see my kids who are these two really awesome humans. Who can handle themselves in adult conversations? Who can handle themselves when hard, hard things happen? And who can show up in the world? So that's—it's easier now that I that they're a little bit older because I have some living proof. Um, and it was challenging that when they were younger, I have um, some relationships that didn't make it through because people thought we were breaking our kids.
0: Right. Yeah. And. At the, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I asked the question about negative feedback because people like to put their opinions on other people, oh. and I want our listeners to hear that if they're getting negative feedback, they're not the only ones, exactly. um, but to be confident in the choices that they've made uh, so they can hopefully, if they have kiddos, teach their kiddos to be confident in their choices as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is so very important. And we have always tried to put like the thing that I try to tell parents is if you keep your relationship with your kiddo at the front of the line, then the other things don't won't matter. Mm -hmm. Because that is what's preserved. And you have this family culture of caring for each other. And when kids are well cared for, when their voices matter and when they're heard in the world, that's what they want for everyone. So my kids don't understand why there's systems that don't support people feeling heard because it isn't the norm for them. So it is so true that if you're gonna make decisions, whether it's around parenting or finances that go against the grain, if you just stick with your intention, then it, you will attract the people you need into your life that will stand there with you. Because I know we did that with parenting. We found people who weren't buying everything for their kids because they were living off of single incomes. And they were thinking outside of the box because they wanted the same things for their kids. So you, even though it's hard and you have those people judging you, you will have the your people and you will find them and you will like be like, there they are and then that will give you you know the support and the bolstering that you need
0: and and not only the support for you as a parent but I think that probably gives your children some more sense of self to be able to stand up when they do go out into the world and go this is me and I'm not ashamed of it
1: exactly exactly they and that's one thing I think I admire about my kids because I don't hold this because of my own baggage but they have such a Um, a secure sense of self Mm -hmm. that I'm absolutely impressed with all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and the other part of what I'm hearing you say is that by not going a traditional route, they got to really develop into their own people and they didn't have to fit inside of somebody else's box.
1: Yeah. My favorite story or one of my favorite stories is my son. He's nine years old. I think at eight or nine, he goes to his first hockey practice and he comes off the ice, absolutely frustrated. And I'm like, dude, what's wrong? He's like, those kids don't wanna listen. They're not, why aren't they listening? We're here to learn how to play hockey. And I was like, oh dude, not everyone's here for that. Like, you know, like he had no understanding. He was like, why would parents, and then he's looking at me, why would parents make their kids do that? <laughs> Hey, sweetheart, we're going to develop some compassion here but just that idea that for him it was like signed up for it because it was information he wanted and he couldn't understand why everybody wasn't paying attention so <laughs> right yeah my kids are funny like that like yeah, they, it was the, it was that was a journey yeah I, maybe my next book will be about trying to fit into to the sports world because it was rough
0: <laughs> definitely Definitely. I, I grew up in the horse world and right. It, it was it was the sense of of sometimes not being good enough because we didn't have the registered horses and the biggest and best saddles and the biggest and best stuff. And it was great growing up, at least in the 4-H world, because 4-H um, uh, puts you against yourself. Uh, so you're, you're based or you're graded on a standard as opposed to compared to your peers for the most part. So then you can really look at, okay, this is how I did it. This show, this is what I need to work on. And then can I improve? But it took a lot of, of, um, personal development to really understand that it's okay to not be in the same, uh, I don't want to say arena. It's okay to not be in the same place as or do it the same way that's what I want or it's okay to not do it the same way as other people
1: exactly and I think that that was also what we learned as a single income family and being surrounded by other families that were living in that way was that if there's a lesson an expensive lesson I know my son's girlfriend was into horse horseback and she is a horse person as well you find ways to make compromises, deals, trades, like all of these things. It doesn't always have to be dollars that are put into things. My son wanted more experience at the hockey rink so he volunteered to coach with other coaches. He got ice time, he improved his skill and he built a resume, right? So I think that sometimes our greatest, again, that out of the box thinking can apply to money too. If there is a skill that you want or something, instead of always approaching it with, I have to use my dollars, what do you have to offer that isn't dollars? And sort of starting to, um, like, I know, yeah, I think that they, they have that ability to know that you can make a mentoring relationship with someone that isn't just based on an exchange of money.
0: Yeah, we, uh, bartering, bartering is is not dead. I got horseback mm-hmm. riding lessons from one gal for cleaning tack and from another gal for babysitting her son.
1: Right, <laughs> like it's just, I think that we don't think to think that way and to, um, because again, we live in a capitalist mm-hmm. society, but if we are able to give our kids constant opportunity and evidence of how to do it differently, then that's how they're going to launch out into the world. And that's where we can start to see some change, some shift, right? If people are saying, I want it differently, I'm going to do it differently, then um, there's more opportunity for that.
0: Absolutely. And, and that kind of brings me to my next question, which is what good advice do you have for others when it comes to, um, I would say when it comes to the kiddos, when it comes to either debt or and or income?
1: Right. I just think, um, yeah, advice is just like, I always tell people to follow the lead of their kids Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I think it, and, and by that, I don't mean, obviously they don't have the same information or access to resources that we have, but they do have this um, innate curiosity and creativity that sparks creativity and curiosity in me. And so then when you're coming up against, for us, when we were coming up against decisions, it wasn't about, it wasn't always about money. It was about quality of experience. And so it interrupts your idea. Like, is it, and I guess that is the question then, like, is this worth going in debt for? And sometimes it was, was it, you know, like for us, yeah, it was worth it to buy this house so that we could have this whole host of experiences. Um, And it actually ended up being cheaper um, in the long run, getting out of the Bay Area. And then also I have raised kids who follow their passion. And so they aren't looking to make money. They're looking to create happiness. Mm -hmm. And so the path my son is going down for a job isn't because he is like, I have to make this amount of money. He's like, I want to be happy. And in order to be happy, I'm going to create a job for myself that creates happiness. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Well, And and I think that when somebody is happy in their job, they then kind of perpetuate that happiness to the people around them.
1: And he, I, uh, one of my sons said to me, mom, if you love your job and your life, then you don't need to drink or do drugs to get away from it. And you don't have to go on vacation all the time. And I was like, oh, thank you, Wise. I don't, right. he was like a very fresh teenager at the time he said it. And I was like, you got some good points there, buddy. So I think that again goes to if you are happy, Mm-hmm. then there are things that you don't have to buy <laughs> to try and be happy and you mm-hmm. interrupt what's trying to be sold to you in the world
0: absolutely at, le- at the very least second it, guess it I was talking to Colleen yes. in my last interview and talking about when we want something in my family we wait 30 days to see right. if it really is going to add the value we think it's going to add and yeah, sometimes it will and and sometimes it won't but it's it's that pause from the amazon one click that we can do nowadays to go okay is this really that important
1: yeah exactly exactly and you know what you and that is such a great thing that with again back to the allowance with our kids it created that pause the number of times my kids saved up for something and changed course halfway through Mm -hmm. and it was like oh thank goodness and the other thing that was brilliant at the time was like um GameStop had the ability to trade in games. And so there was this, also this other way to get cheaper games and to sort of uh, work the system. But when you are waiting to get the money instead of going in debt to get the thing, it's exactly what you're saying. You have more time to decide if it really is what you want your money to be spent on.
0: Mm, and and with kids, the them buying video games, because I know they're expensive, is similar to me getting my first saddle my first show saddle right. that i paid for i was 12 i still own it yes. <laughs> because uh, i have that much it, it costs a lot of money like i had yes. to come up with 150 dollars, and yeah. that was my dad shared he split it with me so it was half yeah. but it was a lot of money and therefore the the kid has um more of a sense of ownership
1: yeah absolutely with the
0: money that they and the time that they've put yeah. in to to
1: get the item Absolutely. And you know, there's been things that my youngest son has bought and he has apologized to me, mom. I'm so sorry. I thought I was going to use that more than I have. And I, I'm really disappointed that I didn't use it. I'm like, dude, it's okay. Like sometimes we do buy something and realize that we could have waited a little longer. Or we de- didn't need it. But for me, the lesson out of that for him is that he values that we used resources to get him something. and that he is uh, like taking ownership for like oh that one didn't really come through for me and i'm like and sometimes we do that and so you know we can but there it's an opportunity for learning
0: yeah and and to to see that they've made a mistake and it's not a be-all end-all and i would assume also to to see their parents make mistakes yes. and that it's okay we can move past them especially with that strong family unit you guys have built exactly. um that that it doesn't have to be you alone by yourself out there in the wind like they exactly. have that support system
1: yeah because we've done that before too is like the, you know i think of things we've done creative solutions of you know, selling, helping them sell things on Craigslist when they wanted, you know, when they realized it wasn't a purchase that they were going to use. Okay, well, how do we support them in selling it to somebody else? How do you stay safe when you're going to make a deal with somebody, you know, those sorts of things. So it's, you know, the opportunities when you're partnering together really are endless because you're always have a team looking at it, right? And you're not alone in your room sat, you know, like trying to, to figure it out
0: yeah or or afraid to own up to yes. your mistake
1: exactly exactly
0: yeah um well i'm i'm almost finished here so um how would someone get uh to to follow you get a hold of your book what a, where 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 can we find you
1: all right well the um my website is being rebuilt right now Um, but if you follow Shannon Breaking Daylight on Instagram, there's tons of information there, Um, and I have books right behind me on the shelf. Um, I have tons of signed copies of the book that I can mail out to anyone if you send me a DM through Instagram or even contact me through breakingdaylight.org. If you don't want a signed copy, they are available on all the major booksellers. I would encourage you to use Bookshop.org. Org because they are helping to keep small mom and pop bookshops in our bookstores going through the pandemic instead of Amazon where so my share is the same. I just like bookshop because they're giving back to small communities and little bookstores around the world.
0: Absolutely. And I got, when I bought my copy, I actually bought two and got one to a friend for Christmas. So totally good for Christmas presents or just because gifts or um, Mother's Day or Father's Day. I'm going to throw that out there. And I got a signed copies and I literally just picked one up for me and put the other one in a gift bag for her. And the cool part about the signed copies was that the one that I picked up was what I needed.
1: Nice.
0: And the one that she got was what she needed because they weren't the same. Um so I try to not
1: write the same thing and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that
0: was that was awesome. I so appreciate you talking. Uh
1: oh, to so to much us.
0: fun. <laughs> awesome. And and so my last question for you is what does wealthy mean
1: to you? What does wealthy mean to me? I mean, to me, wealthy means Hmm, Such a great question. Rich in relationship. It really, when I measure wealth in my life, I look at how well am I loving and how well am I loved?
0: Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Wanting to Wealthy podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you and all of your support. It means the world to me. I would love to continue the conversation over on Instagram at Wanting to Wealthy. You can always send me a DM with thoughts, questions, ideas for future podcasts, or anything else you would like to share with me. Until next time.